0: Hey there. If you're listening to this, um, this is uh, set the second part of our series, simply titled Overwhelmed. And so that means if you missed the first part, you're going to be just a tad bit behind. That's okay. You can head online to lhcstuman.com slash media uh, to hear part one of Overwhelmed by Pastor Scott. <clears throat> and just a reminder, we've created the parent queue uh, online so that you can jump on there, parents at any time, um, and ask questions and follow up with your students. And so Um, Today we talked about the danger of being alone uh, as you go through stuff, and how our concern, when it moves to over-concern, is us taking the place of God. Um, And then that is sort of the start of this process leading to potentially addiction. And uh, we said sort of the turning point there was aloneness. And so either perceived aloneness or people just don't want to be around you because of stress that you have. And so uh, you'll hear a lot of this as we unpack it in the message. But, um, but one of the key takeaways was um, get back to the main thing, which is your affection and your love for God. And lastly, it was um, your uh, finding someone to, to be accountable to. So those are a couple of follow-up things, um, but hope you enjoy. And for no more further ado here's the message. Overwhelmed, part two. Hey, um, we're in our second week now of this series called Overwhelmed, and I want to talk to you guys a little bit. I want to tell you a little bit about what's going on in my life for the last several months. So um, how many of you went to summer camp? Show of hands. Woo. Okay. Um, One week after we got home from summer camp, so we got home on a Thursday, okay. Um, One week after we got home, uh, I had my second son Jude, and so I want to show you guys a picture of him because, of course, right, like, just a cutie. So um, he was born. Uh, he was born six weeks early. Okay, and so by default, being born six weeks early, you are naturally, automatically put into the NICU, which is the neonatal intensive care unit. Okay, so he was in the NICU, and um, so. Again, camp, which is a semi-stressful season for me, and then having a baby, which doesn't necessarily lighten the load— We're in the NICU and like things were progressing really well. Okay. And so here's what happens in the NICU, um, they do these things called rounds and they, I mean, they do them in all, wherever part of the hospital you're in. So the, all the doctors kind of come through and that's your chance to hear from them and they'll give you like a plan about what's coming up, what's next and stuff. And so every day, doctors would come in, throw the doors, curtain open to your room. They'd be in there. The residents, which are like doctors in training, would come in. They'd be kind of hanging out in the back as well, nurses and everyone. So, I don't know, like anywhere from 8 to 10 or 12 people any, any day would kind of come in and be like, here's where he is, here's where we want to see him, we're going to bump him to this amount of food by himself that he needs to eat, blah, 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 okay? And so that's going on for the first week, and that seemed really stressful to me. I felt overwhelmed because, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but a little over a year ago we moved here from like the Dayton area, and so that was a hospital that we were up in Dayton, so... Um, Amanda got discharged, and we were out of the hospital. So it's 45 minutes to an hour, one way there. And so um, not complaining, but just that's what it was. So it was a lot of driving every day back and forth. And so one weekend, so the following Thursday, uh, or maybe it was even a little further, maybe following Friday, rounds are coming on. And he's been doing pretty well, and we're getting excited about the prospect of maybe getting to bring our baby home. And this day was a little different feeling. The doctor walked in. No one was with her. And like everyone kind of stayed out in the hall, and she closed the door behind her, which was also weird. And she looked at us, me and Amanda, and Amanda's mom, and Amanda's um, and her husband was there with uh, us. And she's like, "Hey, do you want them to leave?" And we're like, "No, no, that's fine." Um, but we didn't really know what was about to happen. So uh, the doctor's like, "Okay," and she got very serious, and she's like, "Jude tested positive for a really rare." disease called Krabbe um, disease, and the outlook on this disease is really, really bleak. That's basically the words that she said, and so we're like, okay, um, and so we're just being hit with like all these emotions, and like what does this mean? How do we deal with this? Whatever, and um, basically to boil it all down, I'm not going to like put all the details out there um, of what the disease is, but basically if you get diagnosed with it, the infant version um, he wouldn't live to see his second birthday, okay? So pretty serious stuff we're talking about. And they don't have a cure for it, unfortunately. And so it's like, if he got it, we'd just sort of like, it'd just be what it was. And so we're like, okay, all right, so... Went from feeling pretty overwhelmed to feeling really overwhelmed, okay? And I tell you this, and you might be thinking, like, I don't have a baby. I can't relate. You're right. Probably you can't. Um, but what we know is that the average teenager today is experiencing more stress and anxiety than any other generation of its time. And so you may think, like, I can't relate to feeling overwhelmed. I just want to share with you and, and kind of lay it out like I can. All right? I've been walking through one of the most, if not the most difficult seasons of my whole life. So that was July, and we found this out. Um, all up until about a week ago, we were go- going through series and series and series of tests where it was like, okay, no, not yet. No, not yet. No, not yet. We don't, like, we don't have all the information, so we need to do this test, and then you need to wait on insurance. And so this has been three months of a journey that we've been walking through this. And I will say this— um, like, happy to say, just a week ago, we found out that he's clear. He's out of the woods. Like, we don't have to worry about it. OK, so that's a really, really good thing, really great news. But I want to enter right back in to those three months and simply say, when you're feeling stress, when you're feeling anxiety, and I tell you this story because I, too, can relate with you, like, it's serious. It's difficult. It's hard. Like, you don't know where to turn. You don't know what to do. Like, I am a pastor, I get paid every week to come up here and teach you guys the Bible. I knew all the right answers in my head, but in the moment, in my heart, in the in the feelings, in my actions, like it was so much harder to play some of those things out. And so I say all that to say is like I can relate. Alright, and here's what I want to do. If you were here last week, you know that Pastor Scott opened up our series on Overwhelmed. And he talked about this little diagram here. And this is what I want to kind of get back to for a little bit. And there are three hearts, okay? So last week, if you were here, hopefully you did that little diagnostic tool in your life group, which was identify things that move you to this red zone here. The red zone is where you start to experience pressure and stress. And we even see it with the little diagram, like the, the bars being stacked onto the heart, putting, putting pressure on you. And so what happens is something that's in the green zone, which is good, a good godly concern. So, for example, us wanting our son to be okay, that's a total good and godly concern to have. However, once we started feeling this stress and pressure and anxiety, we moved I moved at least into this worry phase with it. And I was worried about it. And, and the Bible tells you not to worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then he says, the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so I move from this godly concern to this pressure spot. And here's what I want you guys to do. Just in your rows, where you are, I want you to try and think of a time where a good concern in your life, maybe it's grades, maybe it's performance in some extracurricular activity, maybe it's relationships with friends or family or parents, or whatever the case may be, where a good, godly, okay concern, you moved out of that zone, and yet you were pushed into the stress or anxiety or the red zone, okay? So what is a time in your life where a good godly concern moved into that red zone? So out loud with words, the people around you, just a quick turn and talk. I'm gonna have them turn a little bit of music up just at the low volume level and I'll give you guys a few minutes to talk about this with the people next to you. Out loud with words, go. All right, let's jump back into it. If you have a Bible or on your phone, you want to follow along. We're going to look at uh, an example from Scripture. We're going to be in Luke chapter ten, uh, starting in verse thirty-eight. So, if you want, to, you can go there. If not, I have all of it on the screen, so you can also read it that way. Um, but here, we're going to talk about someone who had a green concern, someone in that godly concern zone, and what their agenda was, their ideal, whatever, moved them into the red zone, okay? So I want you to pay attention to what goes on in the story, and then uh, I'm going to ask for a little bit of feedback as we move on to the next section, okay? So Luke 10, 38, down through 41. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed her into her home. Now her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. She came to Jesus and she said, Lord, it doesn't, or doesn't it seem unfair uh, to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, uh, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. All right, so... Uh, up there 's a little bit of a different translation, but you get the gist. Martha invited Jesus into her house good thing, right like wanted to host Jesus, wanted to host the disciples good, green, godly concern okay um, and and but she was getting concerned about preparing her house for the guests and all that kind of stuff, and to make it worse, what was Mary doing that seemed unfair to Martha? not helping, okay. Um, and so Martha's like, hey, Jesus, come into my house. And then her sister's there just sort of like to her not doing anything that she should be. How many of you that would make you mad? Like, hey, come on, pitch in, do your, do your part. How many of you are, would be like Mary, who's just sitting there at Jesus' feet? Okay, there you go. The one, the most spiritual person in the room. So, um, what happens, it, right, that's what Martha thought. Martha thought Mary was being lazy, all right? And I think as we read this story, that's our natural tendency, especially in the culture that we live in, a performance culture. Like we're do, 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 go, 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 be, be, be all the time. But like Mary's just sitting there listening to Jesus and Martha's like, come on, like help me out here. I got all this food, the house is dirty. Did you not see your room, Mary? It's gross and disgusting. And you're sitting there at Jesus' feet. Now, Martha's concern to have Jesus was fine. But what happened was she started to become over-concerned for that. All right? And so what she did was she took this over-concern, and now she's moved out of that green zone into that red zone. You guys see that? Nod your head if you do. Nod your head if you're sleeping. Okay, so um, she moved into that red zone. And so her legitimate concerns turned into worry. And the Bible tells us, worry about nothing, all right? And so God has commanded us, and Paul wrote, to worry about nothing. Here's the things that we see Martha begin to worry about. She needs to get her house prepared. All right, it's not ready. And and, I mean, Jesus, whose God is coming over. Like, talk about stress, right? Um, I need to serve my guests, Jesus and the disciples. How will I get my house together in such a short time if Mary doesn't chip in and help me? I need Mary's help to get my house prepared. If Mary doesn't help me, what will I do? What if I'm unable to get my house prepared and serve my guests? How will I fill in the blank? All right. So she's moved from good godly concern into over concern into worry. All right. And this over concern is where the issue lies. And the things last week that you wrote on that sheet, if you weren't here, um, we said, Circle that red area. What are areas, what are things that push you into over-concern? So those things that push you there, what you're really doing is you're moving into over-concern. Okay? And what the Bible tells us is all these big omni-words. How many of you guys grew up in Sunday school and you've heard all these omni-words about God? Anybody? One person. Great. Give me one omni-word. Go. Um, okay. Omnipresent, which means what? What's omnipresent mean? There you go, right on the card. He's always present, omnipresent. Omni means all, okay? So what's the other one you said? Omniscient. What's omniscient mean? He's all-knowing. What's the other one? Omnipotent. That's eighth graders. Um, No, but omnipotent, which means all-powerful, okay? And so all these different things that we know about God. Guys, when we were moving with our son through this time, we had no idea the outcome, and there was a very real chance that he could have gotten this really terrible diagnosis, and I didn't want that for him, and I started worrying and becoming overconcerned with how I could help take that from him, and the crazy thing was There's nothing I could have done, like literally nothing I could have done. But God, who was all-knowing and all-powerful, held the keys, held the answer to those things I was worrying about. So when I started to move in on that, you know what I was doing? I was moving into God's territory. And that's what stress and anxiety is, is us moving from our sort of like fence or our sort of zone of concern that God has given to us. And we're starting to move beyond it. Like, well, what if I don't make the grade? Or what if I don't make the team? Or what if I don't get into this college? Or what if, or what if, or what if? Guys, God knows those things. And we should be comfortable enough in who we are and our identity in Christ to rest in those things and leave the rest in God's hands. And listen, I tell you that knowing that sometimes it seems absolutely impossible But that's at a very baseline level, at a head intellectual level. That's what's happening. That's what's going on. That's what we see here with with Mary um, and then ultimately with Martha, okay? And so, what over concern does is she's starting to over treasure things in her life. And the Bible talks about treasuring often, all right? It's talking about uh, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. It talks about all these different things. And what we see is when you begin to over-concern, those are things that you treasure more. And what Jesus said was interesting is here in verse 42, is he says, there's only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has chosen it. Mary has chosen the most important thing in this story. And so what we do is we look at Martha and we're like, poor Martha. I'm like, even when I read this story, I'm like, poor Martha. Like, she gets stuck cleaning the house and Mary just gets to sit at the feet and do nothing and learn from Jesus. But somehow, Jesus said she's chosen what's most important. And so, for us, as we um, over concern ourselves, as we uh, try to uh, find and grasp for control and answers outside of our realm, What Jesus is telling us to do through this story is the one most important thing. Spend time at the feet of Jesus. So here's my question. When's the last time when you were going through stress or anxiety or pressure, where you had just a crap load of homework, that you sat down and spent time at the feet of Jesus? Maybe like, when's the last time you did that? Period. Like when's the last time you spent time in prayer? When's the last time you cracked your Bible open other than when I told you to on a Sunday night? When's the last time you sat down with an accountability partner and asked them for help through a struggle you're going through? Because according to Jesus, that's the most important thing. You want answers to to stress? Like, let's start there. Okay, let's start with sitting at the feet of Jesus and getting our answers from him. Okay, and so you see, or you've seen on here, the bottom line is this. Worry, on one hand, is being over-concerned, okay? It not only distracts and divide our interest and devotion to the Lord, but it dominates our interest and devotion. So our interest, our devotion should be to the Lord, but worry and concern soaks all that up, and now our our, our focus, our interest, our devotion is all on our worry, our concern, our things, instead of on Jesus. And He will help put that in its proper perspective, because guess what? He's got it under control, but you're moving outside of your area, outside of your zone, and God's saying, listen, I got this. Just spend time with me, and so my challenge to you is going to be twofold. The first one is this. You need to get back to the main thing, and maybe for some of you, it's not even getting back. Maybe for the first time, you need to spend time with Jesus. Like outside of Sunday morning, outside of checking a box, like I'm here, my mom and dad forced me to be here because Pastor Nick said we were going through this series or hey, my friends all invited me tonight and I'm finally here. Like church and and your relationship with Jesus, they need to be a part of every area of your life, not just the select, not just when it's convenient, okay? And so get back to the main thing. But what happens oftentimes, and I wanna walk you through a little thing um, in just a second, but what happens is when you start to experience stress, when you start to experience pressure, when you start feeling overwhelmed, that's when we move into the arena of different addictions. And I'm want, I want to show you how you will end up there, okay? And so um, it's just like six different kind of steps, and they all start with the letter A because I'm a pastor, and that's what you're supposed to do, all right? But here's how this happens. So the first way that it happens is through assault, All right, and like I don't mean like a physical assault necessarily. I just mean when the stuff of life is coming at you and it seems like it won't stop. Okay, like that's how the last three months of my life sort of felt. Like it just, I was like, God, like can you please make this stop? And just kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. Like I could invite one of you up here on the stage. I could take my finger, poke you in between your eyes, just not hard, but just like this eventually you'd go crazy, would you not? Like, you'd be like, please stop stop touching my face, okay? You'd feel this incredible pressure, and it's not even that bad. Like, for some of you, you just get homework. Like, you just got third period homework again, and you feel like you're going crazy. And it's nothing different than usual, but you're just getting it over and over and over and over, and it's unrelenting, and you feel like you're just being assaulted by all this stuff, okay? And so that's where this all begins, okay? Can you all relate to this idea? Nod your head if you can. Nod your head if you're sleeping. Okay, so the next thing that this leads to, this is like, this is like psychology 101. Fight or flight, okay? So either one or two ways you respond. Number one, you respond by getting angry. Or you respond with anxiety, All right, so if you respond by anger, you're like, you're like, stop, like, stupid mister or whatever third period teacher is like, stop giving me homework. Like, you're just mad about it. Or you just start getting worked up inside, like, how am I going to finish this on top of that project, and I have practice tonight, and we're going out of town for a band thing this weekend? Like, how's all that supposed to happen? You just feel this anxiety kind of welling up inside of you, and and those are basically the two types of responses, and then what what that leads to is aloneness, okay? And it, it happens for two reasons. Number one, you feel like it won't stop, it won't relent, I just need some space, so I'm just going to back up. like Just give me a minute. Just give me some space. I'm going to go to my room, put my headphones in. That's, I'm going to go deal with it. I need space. And so that's how you feel. And, and like it's a natural, it makes sense response. But here's the other thing. If you start responding out of anger, you start responding out of anxiety. If you walk into a party and someone sees you on the other side, like, oh, there's that angry person. I'm going to talk to someone else over here, right? Like, by default, people start to avoid you. Because you're angry or you're super anxious, and and like just people don't want to be around you. And so, number one, you're retreating yourself. But number two, other people are seeing it in you. And here, this right here, we're going to come back to it in a little bit. But this right here is the key shift in this whole process. Is I see this happen way too often uh, in church or whatever the case may be. But once things start getting crazy, you back away, or we back away, and we're like, ah. right now it's just a bad season for me. But like when this is, when it's a bad season is when you need it more than ever, okay? So here we go. Let's keep walking through it. So after this, you either uh, go through being alienated. So again, that kind of aloneness thing. People don't want to be around you. Or if you feel like people don't want to be around, you don't want to hang out with you, maybe you start getting arrogant. Like, well, I don't need them anyway. Like, All those people at church, they're just a bunch of jerks anyway. Like, why would I go? Why would I need them? All right? And again, no one wants to be around that person. All right? The person who's alienated, like they're choosing to be alone, or the person who's just a big arrogant jerk, no one wants to be around you either. All right? And it's not really their fault. It's just these are the responses that you have to this pressure that won't stop. Right? It's just coming, 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 coming. And when you are alone, that's when Satan starts whispering lies in your ear. That's when Satan says things like, hey, you know, maybe it'd be better if, or hey, you know what? Maybe what they, they say, what they think, maybe they're right. Or maybe, you know, like, that, this is the dangerous spot. All right? And so, a couple more. Then what it often leads to is adulteries of the heart. So maybe this is like pornography. Maybe this is self-harm. Maybe this is lying cheating. Maybe this is fill in the blank." Alright, but something to fill that void of aloneness, you run to. And you embrace it because you got nobody else, but this thing right here seems to fix and solve the pain. And you just keep running back to it, and back to it, and back to it, and back to it. And you know it's like not solving the pain. It's not actually making things better. But in that temporary moment, it feels like it is. And finally, you're in full-blown addiction. Okay. And so, like I said, here's the deal. I want to go right back to the middle and say this. In that video, it said it too. You can't do this alone. Like like the reason that we spend almost half of our Sunday night high school programming in small groups is because I know and we know and we value community being built up amongst you. And we know how important this season is. We know how crazy it can get, and we know that you are better together. And in fact, if you're walking through something like this, you can't beat it alone. You need someone in your corner. And the natural response is to put your arms out at arm's distance and push people away. But guys, you need people who will be there and fight for you. And and listen. We talk about it a lot. We talk about like get accountability partners and, and find someone who, who will help you walk through these things and whatever. Um, find somebody, here's the challenge, find somebody not who is struggling with the exact same thing you are because uh, if you're in sermon today, you heard Pastor Brad talk about it. Like you and that person, you're like, hey man, I, I did it again. They're like, oh yeah, me too, it's cool, right? Like there's no actual sharpening there's no actual accountability taking place. So here's the challenge, and this one takes a little bit of courage, a little bit of bravery. Find somebody older than you. Find someone, maybe a leader, right? Find someone who's older than you. Find someone who maybe has a, a different handle, a different angle uh, in, in dealing and struggling with this stuff. But don't go through it alone. That's one of the keys. And so I realize when I say all this, it's all one of those like easier said than done type of things. Because... What, what you're experiencing, it's legitimate. Okay, like, I understand and I get it. And I'm not trying to downplay it. It matters. Like, it, I, I understand what you're going through is legitimate. And, and this place, HSM Sunday nights, this is a, a safe place for you to come and not be okay. Like, if you feel like you have to come and put on this pretty face and, like, you, you need to know that whatever you're going through we will love you no matter what. This is a safe place for you to not be okay. It's a safe place for you to come and be broken and, and cry with people and share with people. Um, I'm here for you. Like if you ever want to talk, like know that you're not alone. Like I love you. I would love to talk with you and through you through this stuff. Your small group leader would love to do the exact same thing. Um, In fact, many of our leaders were here this morning, and we talked about this. Like, how do we embrace students who are just going through some stuff that may not be pretty, that may be ugly, like, that you may feel ashamed of bringing to the surface? But guess what? This is an okay place to not be okay. I want you guys to know that. I want you guys to hear that. And when you start to hear those whispers of the enemy— He'll start to say things like, you're not valuable. You're all alone. Nobody wants you. But the reverse is actually true. Like what God says and what we have to say here is, you are valuable all right, and you are loved, and and your life does matter, and you're a child of the king, and you're fearfully and wonderfully made, and and God has put you on this planet for a purpose. Like, he wants to do something crazy and awesome with your life. Like, don't buy into the lies. Don't be alone. Listen to people who care about you, who love you, who want what's best for you. And so just real quick before we get out of here, I want to say, how do we fix this? What's the antidote to this progression? Because maybe right here you can point to exactly where you are on the list. How do you get out of it? All right, first one is this. Affection for God. As we talked about earlier, right? Like Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and chose her affection for God. But here's something I want you to hear that we don't talk about very often, and it's probably my fault so often when I say, "Hey, you should grow in your affection for God," what you might hear is like, "Hey, you should um, read your Bible more. You should spend more time in prayer. You should right do do like all these things." But here's what you also need to know: like exactly for who you are, exactly for what you are right now, exactly what you're walking through, God loves you. Like, he's absolutely crazy about you right here, right now, the person that you are. You don't have to do anything to buy God's love. Like, he's already done that work. And so, grow in your affection for him, not because it's a chore you have to, but because he already loves you so much, okay? Um, Another thing. Do an assessment, all right? The Bible actually says this phrase, search me, oh God. Like, God, what in my life? And that's what hopefully if you are here last week, and if you weren't, then maybe you can jump back and listen to the, the audio from last week. But the assessment, like, what things in my life cause me stress? What things move me to the red zone? So figure those things out and start to pinpoint and identify them so that you can know where they are. And then that brings an awareness, okay? And finally, accountability. And this is where I want to land. So it's bookended. See, number one, your affection for God. Grow in that. Choose what matters most. And last, find accountability. Maybe that's a leader. Maybe that's someone else in your small group. Maybe that's someone else in a different small group. Maybe that's an adult who goes to church in your parents' life group that you know. I don't know. Find somebody because you can't do this alone. And so when you're feeling overwhelmed, and you will feel overwhelmed if you not already are, This is how we handle these things, and we need to get back to what matters most. So I'm going to pray for us, and then send you off to a small group to unpack some of this. Okay, let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for the truth from your word, from the story of Mary and Martha, and, and just her example of choosing what mattered most, and I pray that you help us to choose what matters most. I pray that as we walk out of this place, God, I pray that every student hearing my voice right now would know that they are loved by you, by the creator of the universe, that you've chosen them, that you've woven and knit them together, and that you've called them to an incredible purpose, and that that would mean something. Because it's not what I'm saying, but it's from the truth of your word. And God, I just pray that you would help us um, rest in that, to know that got God, I pray for us as we move into life group, as we start talking about some of these areas that overwhelm us, that you would help us not just be content with the surface level answers, but God, that you would help us to, to get somewhere. Like that you would help us to go to a place um, of perhaps vulnerability, of authenticity, and maybe it's a little scary and requires some bravery. But Lord, through your spirit, we know that, that we are made strong. Um, And we can do all things. And so help us do that. Help keep us on track. Help us be mature. Help us handle these conversations well. So, in your son's name we pray. And everybody said? All right. See you.